0: Hey, friend. Hey. I know you work with those college students. Have you talked to them about insurance? You know, that's a great question. Some of them know about it, but
1: sometimes I think it's a conversation that falls by the wayside until it's too
0: late. I think you should talk to them about Grad Guard, higher education coverage. It can cover their residence hall, and it can even cover up their tuition and other expenses. Tuition? Tuition. I know they don't
1: know about that.
0: I know they don't either, so you should talk to them and tell them to go to gradguard.com forward slash higher ed to find out all of the details about how they can get covered and protect themselves in the future.
1: I'm going to share that with my students and parents this week.
2: Welcome to season four of The Meeting After The Meeting with your co-hosts,
3: LaFerrin, Antonio, Kiana, Abby,
4: Brian, Curtis, and David. Now, let's start the show. Hey friends, what's good?
5: We back. No. We back. It's a third. Well, Monday, whatever the day is, honey. Scratch <laughs> it's day.
3: We back. It's a day. It's <laughs> Who a day. knows what today is, Jesus? I
5: don't know. Listen, it's been a it's been a long week.
3: I have no concept of time anymore, so we back. That's all that matters.
0: And we own one, one today.
3: And we
2: own one. I'm, trying we are one. I'm just Hello. trying to remember my name. That's it. Right. We that's live. That's all. All our social media platforms are
1: working.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nobody in jail. Facebook jail, Instagram jail.
4: Well, we are. We's free. Yes, yes.
1: We be free. Give us, give us a spree. on my reparations. <laughs> I
4: can't. I can't. <laughs> Let's talk about this Facebook jail. So, so, so the, the the crash last week. What was y'all doing when Facebook went down? So, so was it Facebook,
5: last week or this week? Last it was
4: week. this week. No, it was. It was like
0: Tuesday last, last week. We're gonna do that again because when they hear this, it's gonna be Monday. Right. Oh, oh,
5: my bad.
0: <laughs> I may just leave this whole thing in there. I don't know. I'll see how I'm feeling. What? No. <laughs> 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 what well, I said was it Tuesday? <laughs> he said, baby,
5: wait. He said, yeah. Baby, wait. <laughs> That's why we don't know weekend.
1: That's
5: why I was trying to say like is it monday is it thursday because i was like i don't know how to what to yeah, say i know we record
3: prior to release okay just bear with us
5: bear i don't know, us. know what to say to and, and, and the fan was like choose. i was like no it didn't have to win this week it? it was like, like you were ready to go to town <laughs> I was like, is sorry this? curtis come, come on bring oh, us back my bad Goodness. so
4: yeah
5: <laughs>
4: to answer so- your
2: question
1: curtis
4: but I,
2: did, I, I restarted my phone a couple times to make sure it wasn't me. I was like, now wait a minute,
1: this is. How I, like, I have been trying to ask y'all a question the whole day. Like, <laughs> and what, apps it restarted them, like I restarted <laughs>
2: the apps every time, and I was like, the same thing is at the top. This ain't
3: right. Where is the refresh? It
5: wouldn't happen. I, I was preparing to call one of my friends on Facebook Messenger video chat. And I'm clicking the button, it's turning and turning and turning. I'm clicking, it's turning and turning. Finally, I said, okay, something must be on my phone or my internet or something of that nature. So I kind of signed off and called him on the phone and came back on. It was still not working. So at that point, I just assumed that something was going on. I called,
1: I sent a text message to Antonio and I was like, is Facebook broke?
0: <laughs> she blamed me for it. I thought she had blamed me that the thing <laughs> had went down. She was like, why can't I send a message on the thing? I was like, wait, I don't know. Because, you know, he have a post on what's happening in the world.
1: So my question was, I was like, did did it break? Did I miss a a memo? I need an Amber Alert or some type of alarm to go off on the phone. Let us know that the world is dying or something.
5: I did think it was ironic that the whole thing happened in the midst of this whole trial with the whistleblower and all the things that went along with that. Mm -hmm. So my first thought was this whistleblower and pull the plug. She up that's in her office and pulled a plug out the wall and she unplugged Facebook and Instagram and she was like, you know what? I'm getting everybody.
0: Well, yeah. Zuckerberg said, shut it all down. Shut it all down.
5: Right.
0: All Right. It. It. She's, <laughs> she's stealing
5: documents. She's stealing the money. Cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> but my
4: thing is
2: this. Everybody want to disrupt something. Disrupt these student loan people. Disrupt them
1: people. Make that go to zero. Don't be shutting down exactly. the group. Where I'm are not. the V for Vendetta people? Because that's immediately <laughs> what I thought about. Did you say Visa I, 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 V for Vendetta? You know the movie I, I, V for Vendetta? for Vendetta? Like, you know, that that tribe of people. Like, where are those people? And why are they not going after Sally and Navia and whoever else, Fed, fed Loan and all, all of those people? <clears throat>
5: I just want to say that my name is Brian Johnson, and when this episode airs, I had nothing to do with this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so when the FBI roll up at y'all your house, you gonna get me? I, I didn't say nothing. That. that was
0: yeah, <laughs> I didn't say I, that. I, I didn't know say nothing, nothing about it. You know, I, I'm know, grateful I Joe know Biden. nothing. I know grateful nothing for the forbearance, Joe Biden. Okay. Absolutely,
5: and I'm giving oh. y'all up. If they asked me. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's
0: such if they asked me, well, so who said bad. it?
1: Yes.
5: Laferrin and Keanu, yeah. Chicago and North. <laughs> Cal- I'm telling it
1: because
5: <laughs> I'm yeah, not listen, jail.
1: At
3: least possible. I would say, no. you know, I'm not. I'm not clear as to what you're asking me. I don't know what you're talking about. You just I don't. don't
1: snitch. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Brian, don't have me get um vanished off to some black site somewhere.
0: Uh-uh, don't put my name out there. <laughs> Look, and, and Zuckerberg lost seven billion in hours. Listen, they in fact. hours. But here's the thing though, the Fae are
2: right. That much is still not blink, though. Right? It's he not all like it right. matter. No, it didn't matter.
5: I can lose sixty dollars.
2: <laughs> Brian,
5: it'd be over. <laughs> <laughs>
0: World calling the bank. Refund, and refund immediately. It. Dispute.
5: Bank they, of America.
0: Hotline.
5: Let's go. Let's find out what's going on here.
0: Look,
5: you know how they send them texts. Did you approve these charges? No. No, no. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> and I sent <laughs> an extra text after that. Absolutely not.
3: And I'm at what? the bacon me leaf for my new car because I'ma need what? access to my coin.
2: Because <laughs> uh, uh three to five, seven days ain't gonna work. Run me the card
5: at the bank. Shut
0: it all down.
5: Shut, Shut it, up. it all down. <laughs> Find my uh, six.
3: Y'all are silly. let me get y'all back on track. So <laughs> we're gonna talk about some serious things here. Goodness gracious, y'all
1: yeah. are a mess today. So, you are, um, don't act like um, you are not a co conspirator, though. I am not. I am okay? not. You I are not. right. We are one voice, one sound. Okay, continue.
3: <laughs> Guilty by association. I didn't sign, I ain't signed no paperwork saying that. So, so you listen. trying to get me and sent off some black site, like
5: we're not M-D- going to Guantanamo.
3: No, hey, I got it. we cool. I, I know where we stand. No, where we stand. last week. We talked about being number two and we talked about navigating that complex leadership role. And it's only fitting that we have some conversation about the murky middle. Um, And so we want to have some conversation around what it means to be in in a middle management type of position. Um, And so I'm just going to open up the conversation around, you know, you've moved up you have people that are looking to move up or have moved up from entry level into middle management leadership positions. Um, What competencies, what skills, what do they need to be able to succeed in that space? And feel free to kind of share your mid-management experience as well. That's me bringing y'all back to some serious shoot.
5: (laughs) I mean, well, before we go there, like, And I'm not answering your question right now, Bobby. When I think about the murky middle, I think about ambiguity, right? Because I feel like the murky middle is so many people. We talk about mid-level, but the murky middle is so wide, right? Unless you're at the very bottom or the very top, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, you're part of this murky middle that we're talking about, even though your title might be director, associate director. Sometimes executive director because depending on what spaces you're in and who's in the space with you and what room you're in, right, you become kind of middle management in some ways. And so, um, I, I first think about ambiguity in, in in the murky middle because it's so wide and so so vast. And 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 I see it often play out, you know, in professional associations when they have these conference sessions about you know, middle management and murky middle and whatever that may look like. Well, who is that for? Is it for me? Is it for a AD level person? Is it for, you know, someone higher than me? What does that look like? And so I didn't answer your question, but I kind of to throw it out there that, you know, it, it's a wide range of individuals kind of in this, in this spectrum, on the spectrum of people. And,
0: and it's in higher ed and other spaces too. And these are conversations I'm having every day. Folks, don't know what to do, <clears throat> you know, you you know, you're not an entry level person, you're not an IC or, or, or individual contributor, and you know, you ain't the senior execs. And so you don't get that special treatment. And I think for a lot of spaces, higher ed and in industry, this is where a lot of people get lost in the sauce. Sometimes you have enough information, but you don't have enough power. And I think that uh, is the space always that happens in the, in the murky middle is you got the information, but you, you are not a decision maker. And oftentimes you get information to have context, but sometimes you don't have information to share. And you also need to be a person who executes, right? Who can help execute somebody else's vision that you may or may not all the, all the way agree with. And so I think it, it takes a lot of tenacity to see it through in the murky middle. And depending on your industry, You can be in the murky middle for a while. Like higher ed, there are some people who never come out of the middle. And then there are some who look to get to the middle and they are totally comfortable, you know, being there. So I I think it's a it's a very interesting space. I would
5: agree. I mean, you're wearing many, many hats in the the middle. Right. Because. On some level, you are setting the vision and the strategic direction for, you know, maybe your functional area in some way. But you're also executing the the plans and the things that are coming from the top, if you will, right? You know, so you're wearing many hats. I think about the the art of managing up comes to mind. You know, how you have to manage up and make sure the people above you know what's happening and things of that nature, but also be comfortable with managing down, but owning what's coming from the top right and, and owning that for the people that are down below you
3: yeah I think um I agree with so many things that all of you have said, and I'm happy that Brian, you know you didn't answer the question directly, but you took us in a space that I think is important and that I think there's this misconception with what mid level is and I remember like there were a lot of books that came out some years ago around mid-level managers and mid um, middle management, specifically in higher ed and student affairs, but I think it was relevant to other spaces. But I remember in on one of the books it talked about that being like the largest administrative group of professionals and um, the group of professionals at most institutions that were responsible for carrying out the mission of that institution. And when Brian was talking, it made me think about this idea that like middle managers are the executors, right? They're executing the organizational priorities and they're critical to success. Um, Like when you're in that role, you're serving as the person who controls information flow. You're implementing policy, but you're also interpreting policy for a lot of other people while also influencing all of the areas or the people that you're responsible for. However, you might not be the person creating that policy or creating, right, that information. Um, And it's such a a critical position. And I think that ambiguity does come into it, um, because the roles aren't always clearly defined. But then also, I think, What I found in a lot of mid-management positions that I've been in is that I am the person that's responsible for implementing a lot of change. And I think that's something that we don't always talk about in mid-management is that we are impacted by the change, but we are also the implementers of the change within an organization. Um, and so you have to implement those strategies, you have to get people to buy into the change, while simultaneously have to interpret it and figure out how you're going to navigate the change. And it's a really difficult and interesting space to be in that we're not prepared. It's not, it's, I just feel like that's a competency you can't prepare for. And I think oftentimes people always want to know well, what competencies do I need to have to be sex- successful in this role? What skills do I need to have? And I I feel like you could tell people all the time. You need, you know, you need to be politically savvy. You need to navigate change management. You need to do this, you need to do that. But until I was in it, I didn't learn how to do it because I couldn't be taught some of the things that I learned within my mid-management roles. And I mean, I still consider myself to be in a mid-management role because of how my organization is structured. But I think it's hard when you talk about competencies for people to be able to develop because so much of it happens within the role that you're in that you have to kind of, you have to go through it for yourself.
1: I agree. And sitting here thinking about what you all have shared so far, it made me think about like the idea of when you're first learning to cook and you're asking your mom, grandma about the family recipes and you want a play by play of where's the instructional video, the tutorial, the recipe card, well, how much sugar, how much flour, and you know, they just, until it feels right, until the ancestors say so, and it's leadership in the middle is very similar to that, because if you are a person that needs that sense of structure, and Can't think about where you fall in terms of where your convictions lie, where your level of patience is, you know, what wisdom have you stored away, you will struggle um, because your role and responsibility is to be that person that is putting, uh, pushing innovation, pushing the sense of awareness, making those connect points with stakeholders and helping. Drive the organization for uh, with a vision that uh, an agenda that you have adopted or you may have had the opportunity to help craft, but it's not per se- it's for your responsibility to carry it out, but it's not that you were the architect of it um often and so but you have to act like you were you built it from the ground up and have that ownership and folks kind of struggle with that because there is that it's unrefined area and it's an unrefined landscape. It is very, it can be very subjective also um, with the challenges and the things that you have to tackle. And if you haven't honed in what's, you know, where's my opportunity to take risks? Where, where are, what are my critical thinking skills and to be able to, you know, go with the flow and and flourish and ambiguity, you're gonna struggle and it's gonna be murky and feel like quicksand for a long time. I think the
2: thing about the middle part two is that the level of critical thinking, right? Because once you get in the middle, you really don't leave unless you are leaving because depending on people structures, which we've talked about a little bit. But I do think When you talk about skills and we've talked about this before with some like entry-level professionals and just professionals in general being able to critically think because of the role um, that you play when you are in the middle you have to be able to do that and you have to be also an independent thinker everybody's not going to always tell you what to do you're going to have to come up with a solution follow through and also understanding there may be five solutions and you have to pick which one is the best option for you and the stakeholders who are attached. We talk about playing chess all the time. That's exactly what this is. Some people just think, oh, I'm just making, y'all just made a decision. You just threw a dart at the board and this is the one it was. It wasn't. I evaluated how this was gonna impact us four to five steps ahead and who was also impacted by it. Understanding there's some capital that's gonna be spent, them coins that we talk about in the bank. And if you ain't got them, that's gonna be a whole nother situation for you. But also understanding what is the cost for each decision that we're making. And when you are in the middle, you are constantly doing that. If these last few months have not taught us that, that's the, that should have been the main lesson of all of this, right? You have to think critically and you have to think quickly um, and be able to trust the decisions that you're making. Um, and so when people are like, I need you to expand your thought process, you need to do that. Right. Because it's no longer just this little collection of trees. You are now responsible for a piece of the forest and you need to be able to understand what that means and how to protect it.
5: I mean, to the point that we're talking about uh, with regards to core competencies, um, obviously, there are things that are very experiential, right, that you have to learn kind of along the way. But I think that there are some basic core competencies and skills you need um, prior to coming into this middle landscape, if you will, uh, to help you be successful. Right. You need to know how to communicate. How, how do you how, how do you prioritize um, relationship building, Um you know, things of that nature that that, that will help you uh, kind of learn and move and navigate this culture of being in the middle and the messiness of it all, right? Um, you just can't walk into it not having something in your toolbox that you can pull from. Um, all other things will, in my opinion, will come, but you need to start from somewhere. And where's your baseline?
4: Just thinking about everything that, um, that's that been said, and, and a lot has been said, I, I was thinking about um, the, the the middle and just thinking about, you know, making that jump from an entry level role to the murky middle, depending on, despite whatever realm you're in, in the middle, my, my thoughts lent, lent to, there's a emphasis on, emphasis on the trust level. Like I think, you know, at entry level, there, there's this expectation that we're gonna have folks who find that this is exactly what they're looking for. A lot of them are like, yeah, I, I, I like this for a moment, but I'm gonna go left and do something different. But those folks who make that transition to the middle, there's a trust that, okay, you, you want to be here. And there are a there's an awareness level of competency uh, and ability. And there's this space, this, this gray space for us to help you define those competencies, because you're leaning into areas in which you might be interested in, you want to focus in. But there's still a collection of areas that you're going to be developing in this particular gray space. I think the other piece of this is, is there, there, there's this um, investment in you wanting to get better, knowing that there's some things that you're good at based off of the experiences that you came from. But there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to be introduced to you. So that way, not only are you contributing to what you're passionate about and what the organization has invested in by bringing you into this middle space, but then also introducing you to a lot of new things, both within that respective department and organization, but also at the institution, because they wanna see you continue to grow through this middle space and find out what's that next path for you to grow. So there's a lot of learning in the gray space, but it could also be detrimental if you're not going into that gray space, wanting to be a sponge and soak up what the people around you are trying to give you and also take advantage of the opportunities for you to really show yourself and and, and be 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 a contributor to the success of the organization.
0: If I could pull up, pull all of both sides of this together, because I agree with what, what's been said that there are so many competencies competencies that exist in the, in the middle that, that you don't know sometimes where to start. And I think whether you're in higher ed or you're in other industries too, this is oftentimes why middle managers don't have great training, because it's really hard to figure out where do you start with those. I I pull on that last piece that you said, Curtis, the problem what happens with a lot of people is that when they're looking to move up, they aren't looking at the competencies that they need to move to the middle. They're saying, I'm ready. I put my time in. And what we really don't know is if your time has been fruitful if your time has been worth it or if you've just been gagging and, and had a job, right? Because some folks just been existing in a space and haven't really been contributing in a way, but now you're demanding and knocking on doors that somebody promotes you and you don't have any of these skills that um, we've talked about today. But I think what we have done is named in this conversation several competencies that you need to get on the road to starting to master, Right. You you are not going to master all of them. And you need to be promoted with the mindset that I have to keep learning and I have to learn quickly. And so some of these things like strategic thinking, like LaFerrin was talking about, like, yes, you need to be working towards that. You may not master that at the entry level, but you need to be asking some questions like, supervising as coaching, looking at prioritization, what you talked about, Brian, meeting management. Middle managers are the ones who are literally running the organization day to day. If you don't know how to run a meeting, how to keep people on task and on time, baby, they're going to write you off real quick. You know, um, looking at inclusive leadership, how are you creating space for people to feel welcome and a sense of belonging? I think about that communication, Brian, talked about the relationship building and building trust. And those are abstract, but the unfortunate part is that a lot of businesses and a lot of higher ed institutions have failed at training their people on this, and it's because they don't know where to start. And because that skill set, the mastery of that, the depth of it, looks so different from you just got the middle management versus day one, versus I've been a middle manager for 20 years, right? Where do you train people at? And so I, I think there are some But we really gotta. What depth you learn them at really matters too.
1: I appreciate you bringing it up so much. I was jotting down my thoughts so I wouldn't forget them. And something you said was that basically senior leadership expects the middle to act like senior leadership. They are not looking at you in the sense of okay, you're the number two. No, senior leadership is looking at you as you're the number one with everything you said about running the meetings and you know, being able to execute. Because of the fact that they have the expectation that you are the senior, um, they want you to do things, not just because you were told to do them, but because, again, that a spirit of discernment and wisdom that you're relying on all of those skills and you're doing it because you trusted your gut and it felt right and it was the right thing to do, not because somebody told you to do that. And I always think back and I think it's funny in the sense of when we think about our entry-level staff and that they don't give enough time in the sense of, especially when it's a new leader that has just transitioned into that, because we, like you said, we've had this blueprint all along that we're gonna have this specific type of training. You're gonna have these step-by-steps of, this is what you do in a crisis situation. This is what you do um, when handling an HR situation. This is in step A, B, and C. And in the middle, there is no blueprint because you should have had all of these experiences to be able to build your competency and that's where things get lost and if anything i hope what folks are starting to take away from this conversation is when i'm sitting and i'm thinking about what are my goals for the year because i just had a similar conversation with a staff member uh, because we're in that season to create like what are your goals for the year all of that and i was like well i don't know and i was like well what do you feel is not in your toolbox and so, and starting there. And then often it is the things that we don't want to do. You know, it's not the sexy experiences, if you will. You know, I don't want to go serve on assessment committee. I don't want to go to the, um, be a part of the strategic planning and all of those things. And why that may sound nuanced and boring, it still is going to give you some tools Whether you realize you're learning them or not, when it does come for the things that you find exhilarating or exciting because you sat through that and don't understand how things connect and build on top of each other.
3: I think something that as I listened to all three of you, Curtis, Antonio, and Kiana, all talk, it made me think about this idea of people feeling like their middle management experience in time is just kind of a passing through. And not acknowledging that this is a long haul type of experience, the type of competencies, the type of skills, the type of experiences that you really should be developing within this position that you and it might be multiple positions that you're in that is still within a middle manager space It's that's not your passing through stage of your career. That is where you are becoming the professional that you need to become to actually be able to lead at the highest level. That is when you need to be really digging deep and refining your competencies and your skills. And something that I think people, you know, because you think about, right, the the middle child syndrome, like people feel like middle managers are just kind of ignored or, you know, just the workhorses. But middle managers are the individuals that I think, in my experiences, have the greatest impact at change at collaboration within a campus, university, organization, community, um, if you really take ownership for your positioning, you really invest and dig deep into those skills and show yourself to be excellent, you will be amazed at what you're actually able to accomplish and do within a middle manager role. And I think we need to kind of refine how we view these positions, especially in higher education, that this isn't your like hosting, passing through. This is when you are becoming the professional that you need to become. And it is up to you to do the work. But this is really when you should be digging deep, making the mistakes, having the big fails, but then also having those huge huge accomplishments and being able to refine all of those competencies that antonio listed like you're not gonna have time when you are a vp to be out here trying to figure out how to strategically plan like you should have been doing that in those 10 years when you were in these other positions um and so i just think people really need to see the power of these positions in a greater way and really take ownership for how they maximize and leverage these positions.
5: She said everything that I was going to say. I will just echo everything that she said because, you know, as an entry-level professional, I learned the foundational tools and principles in order to make my way towards this middle category, if you will. But it's, It's it was in the middle, and it's in the middle that I defined who I was as a supervisor, I defined who I was as a relationship builder and a collaborator, I defined who I was as an organizer, I defined who I was as a person setting the strategic vision and the direction and the goal setting and the planning and all of that, right? It came from my 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 space in this middle kind of landscape that we're talking about right now. And even now as a director, I, I find that most of our entry level people, if you will, they get caught up on titles. Well, I'm going to be assistant director, assistant director and director, and I'm to be the leader. Understanding that as a director, I'm still like we are, like we've talked about, I'm still kind of in that middle area and I'm still working to define who I am as a, not a professional, but I'm still honing, you know, some developmental tools and skills that um, that will help me be successful as I seek to move up. And so I always want to echo everything that Bobby said. It was in this middle that I defined who I was as a professional.
0: I think I'd leave with a question. Have you mastered your craft before you leave the middle? Because if you haven't mastered your craft, then you need to sit down and you need to continue mm-hmm. to learn. Because when you get in certain positions, there ain't no more time to, to learn. Because there's no one when you get to the upper levels to say, well, I think the director needs this type of training. No, the director is saying, I need this level. There's no one thinking about you in that way because you're the only one, probably when you sit in those seats, right? And so you need to master your craft And instead of moving, that's the question that you should be asking yourself. The way you might think about navigating is where can I master my craft next? In what area am I deficient in that I need help with? Because I was that unless I had good, uh, you know, thankful for good mentors who said, no, don't think about jumping the position. Think about being strategic about where can you gain that next skill level before you decide to jump to that next position you know are you are you good at leading people are you good at moving an agenda forward but
3: but i think something you said antonio as far as kind of jump into the next position a different thing that made me think about something that curtis said was about trust and that in order to be successful in a mid-level role and do some of the things that you need to do you need to have trust, right? You need to be able to have credibility. You need to have a strong reputation. And so when you do do, when you make a lot of shifts, you're spending time having to build trust as opposed to spending time being able to develop those competencies, being able to get new experiences, being able to grow. And so I think for me, when I think about just my career trajectories, You know, some decisions I've made were based on staying in space, sitting still, because there was so much trust and credibility for me where I was at that I knew I would be able to put on my plate greater experiences that would help me to get to another space. Regardless of how attractive another position looked I would have had to spend a lot of time building trust and that would have taken me away from the bigger goal. And so I think you also need to navigate that is where do you want to invest your energy? Do you want to keep investing your energy into places where you got to keep reinventing yourself and building trust and building oh. credibility, credibility so you can be at that table or Are you going to stay in space and, quote unquote, bloom where you're planted already so that your competencies can continue to grow? And I'm not saying stay in toxic work environments or anything like that. That's a whole different conversation. Um, But I think people might some people might feel stifled in where they are because they've done a lot of moves and they haven't been able to get access at the places that they are because they're still having to build trust and credibility every single time they make a move.
1: I I don't want to miss the fact of what Antonio had talked about in terms of mentorship because what I had started thinking about as we were unpacking some of this is that looking at our identities, one being a person of color and then two being a woman, how there are additional roadblocks and challenges that um, based off of the environment, makeup of the department or the institution, where oftentimes we suffer, you know, especially as a woman, once you start moving into middle management or early level of senior leadership, where that could sometimes be less women um, if it's a very male dominated um, department, and then trying to find, you know, supportive mentors, um, and maybe folks who also identify with your identity that may look like you, or even expanding it beyond just being, I'm looking at my own identities as being a woman and, and also being Black. Um, and depending on how transient our, our work and our colleagues can be, that that can be a struggle, you know, and to try to identify someone to lean, who, who to lean on to be able to garner some of that mentorship and be that guide. And you have to think about like, how can I be strategic? How can I be vulnerable to seek out that if it's not in my immediate environment? Um, and where that may mean you need to do some investment, you know, and put again, your budgeting to the side and reevaluate that, you know, whether that then means, am I putting, where am I putting my coins so that I can find what I'm not, I don't have in my immediate in the moment, um, versus just kind of being stuck and helpless, Because that can sometimes also be a challenge, like thinking about if the team is dominated by males or you are the only person of color or, you know, looking at other one other identity in your makeup, um, how that could uh, be a challenge as you're trying to navigate the murky middle.
2: I think the other part to this conversation, which... um, Antonio and Bobby brought up too is this conversation of are you doing some self-evaluation about if you are like doing doing self-evaluation and being honest about being ready if a mentor says to you you are not ready are you taking that and actually in and actually doing the evaluation and listening to what they are saying about what is growth for you because if you are mediocre um, As an entry level, you're going to just be mediocre in the middle. Like those things, that's what you, that's what's about to happen. And so are you doing what is necessary to grow to be successful in the middle? However, that looks so that you're not a 30 year, 30 years plus into the profession in the middle. And you still and you still making decisions as if you just got there because we're seeing that, too right? If if COVID has shown us nothing, is about some competency levels and some folks who you just got here because you've had the years versus you had the, the competency to do the work at this point, but you have to be honest with yourself in the middle about where you need help, and you have to be open to correction.
0: I really want to pull on this piece because y'all, we were having this text conversation about gender and opportunities that were happening, and this is a real big thing that's happening in the middle, and you see Uh, women in particular are not moving into some of these spaces that some men are, particularly Black women, not moving into these spaces and are being left to defend and to pull up themselves. And so I think that speaking to the folks out there who are decision makers, you need to expand your pool and your reach when you're looking to pull folks up in the middle because the faces are looking the same a lot as we get towards the top of the middle right and even in the senior positions and we need to stop calling on black folks to save these organizations after someone else has come in and has taken your teams and your work in a in a terrible direction and now asking black folks to be captain save the day putting the stress on them to come and fix the mess that you're in
5: Ooh, antonio I That's said what,
0: what I said. This is what, what we doing. LaFern closed the door, so I listen. stepped in the room. I mean, wait no, a minute. Listen. listen, I
2: was confused. Listen, Nicole Hannah Jones said it is not your responsibility to heal. To heal for me, I say it ain't your responsibility to save these folks. Burn your cake and keep it pushing. Do what you came there to do. Like in because because, and here's the thing. People are going to use your labor to whatever extent and take advantage of it to the extent in which you allow them to do so, and that's the reason why we have developed some very unhealthy habits in this work, um, because we trying to we trying to save people who don't want to be saved. These things that you trying to fight against, it's in the brick and mortar of these institutions. It is ingrained in them.
0: This the mer-
2: Yep. They, it was there Come 100 on. years ago. Come
0: on that? now. Come on, LaFerrin, say it. And this is why I, I brought this up because this is the murky part. Yes, go and get the competencies. But the reason why a lot of people are leaving great organizations in the middle is sometimes because of the systemic structures and pieces of oppression that occur in the spaces that do not allow them to be successful to see it through. The thing we don't really say is the support system you need when you get towards the top of the middle. You need to have such a solid support system, such a high self-esteem to make it through because a lot of people die in the middle, die and get burned out or get cast out in the middle. And there's a whole lot of reasons why, but I think a part of what we have to address is the systemic pieces and the structural pieces that exist that don't allow some folks and particularly folks of color, particularly black women, particularly Latino individuals to not succeed in these organizations. It's happening in higher ed and it's happening in other industries too.
1: Women are suffering. They are not receiving their flowers that they are old. They are not receiving the kudos. And there are folks doing less work and receiving all of the grace and all of the kudos and accolades um, that they didn't deserve. And the coin. And And the the coin. coin. That's, that's the problem too. You want people to work for pennies. Uh, You know, award season is upon us. You know, uh, who have you nominated? Look at the history in your department and who has been nominated, who has been recognized, you know, working at institutions, especially when there's a monetary award or component, or at looking at the idea of evaluation season. You know, where the performance appraisal has not the receipts when that is um, also tied and connected to the the increase for a salary. Like, I think it's also, look at all the things.
3: I mean, it's also about just seeing and hearing your people as well. I think there's a lot that is put on individuals in middle management spaces to, you know, share with your leadership or HR or whomever, what's going on with people? Why is morale so low? Why are people leaving? Why is this happening? Um, And that's a lot of pressure that people are being asked to navigate, Um, but then what is being done with that information, right? And I think that you're constantly living in this state of like cognitive dissonance where you have to develop this um, block and this boundary as to what do you advocate for? What do you speak on? What do you not advocate for and not speak on? And how do you navigate feeling complacent? What do you develop? And I don't give a flip attitude about because giving a flip disrupt your peace so much that you can't sleep at night. And, you know, it's this constant state of anxiety that I think people are in and navigating some of these positions and spaces that are not set up for people that look like them to be successful. Um, and, I mean, we've been talking about this for a while. What is the solution? What What can be done I mean, I'm not, I mean, I don't have the answer to that. I'm not sure. I think it's some of the things that we talked about is advocating for one another. It's having your, you know, brave person, your safe person, whoever you can have those conversations with, understanding what battles are worth fighting for, understanding who to advocate to and what to advocate about. I think there are some people who have just learned how to exist in these spaces, Um, because at the end of the day, we all need our direct deposit. Right. And so I think it is just this strange space, but like Antonio said, people are, people are falling out in these spaces. And we've talked about before, something has to shift in higher ed. Something has to shift in education. Something has to shift in the workplace, um, in order for people to be successful. And you have this large pool of people who are being most impacted because they're carrying most of the labor and most of the load.
0: All right, y'all. Well, (laughs) we've hit the high points of things. People need to be successful. Absolutely. And then we closed the door and told the people.
5: (laughs) It it was the Project Pat reference for me. I'm just going to be honest. (laughs) You're in the
3: form today. That's all I got to say. Start You know
5: it's Friday Eve and we're here
0: look when LaFerrin closed that door I took my cue she said we're going in and i followed follow the sister okay? and
5: you went right on in and here we go but it was All fun right, and to yes. see her.
0: yeah and uh, next week next conversation coming up we're going to be continuing our conversation on wellness alright and future looking up we got some guests of the podcast some faithful listeners coming Welcome. in So uh, stay tuned for that. And you know what, y'all? We'll see y'all win next time. Later.